Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. I want to welcome you here. Uh, My name's John Adams, one of the pastors here at the Vine, and we we get to dig into God's Word today. Isn't that good? And uh, we are in a series which is, uh, you can see it, it's Grace for Living out of the book of Titus. And uh, we get to know God's grace. And that's so amazing. Um, You know, so many ways we could celebrate, and we did a few weeks ago, celebrations about what God is doing. But I just want to just revisit just a couple. 18 babies in our church? Come on. (laughs) We need... We have so much grace going on there. That's a crazy grace. And uh, so grace to you parents, too. God bless you. And, um, and we're just so grateful for that. And, and for all, all God has done, his kindness and his care for the vine through, um, through COVID and now even, I mean, uh, still people are struggling. And God is still, he's so faithful to this church. And he's brought us so many wonderful people, ministers of the gospel, so many people who I would call hearty minister servants who just love God and want to make him known. And so um, praise God, praise God for this church called the vine and all the wonderful grace that he is working, the way he's working and the way he is growing us. And you know, um, as you grow as a church, you need the right proper structure to care for it. Just like in a vineyard, have you know, you've been to Napa, Sonoma, maybe to North Georgia mountains. You've seen those vineyards. They, those, the vines always needs a good trellis. It needs a structure where it can not just rot on the ground, but actually grow on. Likewise, the church needs a trellis, enough structure to care for and and to support the growth of what God is doing. And he is doing great things. And one way he structures or trellises our church is through elders. And as we've been teaching through the the book of Titus, we're in chapter one, uh, we've seen that, that Paul wrote these pastoral epistles, Titus being one of them, to mentor Titus, who was on the island of Crete, and then Timothy, the, the book of Timothy and 2 Timothy, who was a young pastor in Ephesus. And he charged those two pastors with um, training and teaching and mentoring uh, elders and raising up elders in every church. And the elders were raised up so that the church could be healthy. It it wouldn't just rot, the growth would not just rot on the ground. There'd be enough structure to to care for, oversee, and give good guidance for what all what God wanted to do and sustain the fruit that he has given to the church. Likewise, at our church, we, uh, we are blessed with some amazing godly elders. And we need to raise up more elders. And by the way, even though we're talking today about the qualifications of elders, please don't check out. 
Because this sermon is for you as much as for the elder. The qualities we're looking at right here today from Titus are for every Christ follower, which includes you and me. So we have this privilege and opportunity to look at God's word and to really, as we're gonna see uh, from today's passage, this, it takes healthy Christ-centered elders to have a healthy Christ-centered church. And uh, as, as, as I've said, we're gonna be looking at 1 Timothy chapter one, beginning in verse number five. And, uh, and I wanna encourage you today as we come to this wonderful passage that we would say, God, please do this. Change every one of us by your grace. Will you just uh, pray that out loud, this, that those words as a prayer as we come to God's word. And now here's the prayer. Change me by your grace, Lord. You got it? Let's pray that together. Change me by your grace, Lord. Amen. Listen now to God's holy, inerrant, truth-filled word. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery and insubordination. For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must be not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the truth, trustworthy word is taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Amen. Before I just share with you our simple outline today, I want to just make a quick note. Verse five um, talks about elders, and it's actually the Greek word presbyteros, rus. And do, do you know what English word we get from presbyteros? Presbyterian. And, um, and, uh, there's in verse number seven, there's another word. It's, it's the word overseers, also called bishops. It's the Greek word episkopoi, where you get episcopalian from. And these two names, we believe, are, are describing the same office. And we believe that because this passage is context. And then when you compare it with 1 Timothy chapter three, which you should also read or even put your thumb in and flip back and forth and, and understand the, the similarities and some of the, the way they, they support one another. You see, Paul here calls them elders as an office of dignity or honor, and he calls them bishops or overseers describing their work function, their care of God's church, their oversight. And, and so here, we're seeing here that elders or overseers are to provide this umbrella of care for the church and 
That creates spiritual health in the congregation and all those who receive that. And so Paul wrote these qualities of church leaders to Titus, and we see that in our passage today, but also in Timothy, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 7 for elders, and then 3, verses 8 through 13 for deacons. And so cultivating spiritual health is so vital. We need it as the church of Jesus Christ. And we need that structure and that spiritual health to help change us and grow in God's grace. You know, do we have any gardeners in the room? We got a few, we got two or three, way to go. John, I didn't know you were a gardener. How about, have you ever planted a plant? Raise your hand. Okay, to me, you're a gardener, okay? I dub you. You know, what you find out in Atlanta, red clay is you need the right soil. You need to water those puppies often, right? They need to not have the disease, and so sometimes you need to spray them. But I don't know if you've, in your garden, my, my arch enemy number one is Bambi. Yes, those deer, I call them my evening enemies. And they come and they come and they viciously devour my sweet little buds on my plants. But I have a plan to protect my children, so to speak. We've installed, I've installed on one pine tree, a big pine tree, four evil-looking flashing red lights that go off all night. I don't think the neighbors prefer those. <laughs> and then I have also this other light that's ultrasound that is tripped by the deer when they go by there, so it's kind of light goes off and this sound goes off that I can't even hear, but, <clears throat> yeah, but it's supposed to drive them away. It works most of the time, and I'm glad about that. And I'm getting more plant health because of this. But what we're talking about today is really spiritual health. How do we not just have, you know, gardening skills, but how do we cultivate our lives in God's grace and see the church of Jesus Christ grow together in spiritual health? And so today, specifically, Titus chapters 1, 5 through 9, is our, we're going to see some indicators of spiritual health for elders and really for all of us. So let's go ahead and dig in three indicators of spiritual health. And the first one is this. Uh, elders, are they are blameless. Verse six says, if anyone is above reproach, the word above, above reproach is also translated blameless. And if blameless means perfect, <laughs> I think we're all in trouble. Because every one of us, starting with me and with all of our current elders, we all struggle with sin and brokenness. We all are growing, yes, but we are far from perfect. We're a community of faith of broken sinners who come, who have been redeemed and renewed by God's wonderful grace. Thanks be to him, right? 
And that's his work that he does in us and through us. But every one of us are actually, we struggle. So blameless here does not mean sinless. It, it, I believe it means this, free from accusation in relationships. And we see this in verses six and the first half of seven. Well, let me explain for a second is, it's, this is not so much blameless, it's not so much comparing ourselves with God. Remember, God is holy and perfect. Jesus, the son came, the perfect one lived a perfect, sinless life. None of us can do this. We know this from scripture. Verses like Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all broken. We're all sinful in that way. And yet God chooses to use us and give us grace so that in our human relationships, we can be without accusation. Now, let me give you an example from scripture. It goes on, verse six, if you look at it, it says, if anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery and insubordination. If an elder is married, and remember, remember church, Paul was single and he was an elder. The elder should be the husband of one wife. This has lots of applications, but here are just a few. First of all, uh, guys, you can't have more than one wife. <laughs> Sorry. You see, in that day, the nations around Israel struggled with polygamy. And even the nation of Israel went through some struggles with that too. And God says here clearly in the New Testament, just one wife. And if divorced, secondly, and remarried, he must have been divorced and remarried in a biblical way. Now, I don't have time to teach on this, and there's lots of passages we would go to. But briefly, Matthew chapter 19, verse 9, gives us one example that God permits divorce but does not command it. And he actually, in a biblical divorce, allows a remarriage, a biblical remarriage. Uh, if, if you're interested in doing further study on this topic, an excellent book on this is J. Adams, Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage. It's a short book, but it's super helpful. It really unpacks a lot of the scriptures in this important area. Uh, Titus 1.6 goes on talking about children who are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery and insubordination. This means that, that a Christ-centered father is praying for his children and his wife and seeking to, to see them become believers as best he can by God's grace. His children are not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For example, from scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 10 teaches us about Eli, the high priest, who had two sons who were also priests, and they were drunkards, known for this, and slept with women in the temple. Of all things, it was just awful. Just the blatant sinfulness. Now, application for us today, and we have to be very careful because this is a hard passage, and it can be often misinterpreted. If an elder candidate has kids like Eli's, it's likely wise for him to be with his family 
so he, he can love his children and care for them and spend time with them and show them that he, he is for them rather than at that moment pursuing the office of eldership. Again, this does not mean that elder children can be or should be perfect because they can't be. Believe me, I've got a couple. They're wonderful, but they're not perfect. But listen, listen. This doesn't mean we treat our elders' children any different from the rest of our children in scrutiny. But we look and see and encourage elders to constantly care for, shepherd their hearts of their children and deal with their children's sin in a biblical way and train them, their children, to walk in godliness. Scripture aligned with Scripture. So here's a reminder, and this is so important. Man, I, there's so many families that, and parents that I know that are incredibly Christ-centered and healthy in their parenting, and their children may or are going astray from the gospel of Christ. I mean, I honestly don't understand how that happens. And I often ask the Lord why. But I constantly am crying out for these children to come back to God and to be encouraged in God's grace and to see that our God is the only place where they will find true satisfaction and hope. You see, we don't need to condemn parents. We need to come alongside of them, especially because they're our, they're our family. Their children are our family. This is about the covenant of God. We together are to stand alongside of one another and especially our children that may be struggling, but our children at all times. So let's remember, let's, let's be slow to any kind of judgment and get rid of that and be quick to pray, quick to support. Come alongside and stand together with compassion with one another. So the first, yeah, indicator of spiritual health is the elders should be blameless. But secondly, the second indicator of spiritual health is that our character is under Christ's control. Verse seven and eight, Paul details 11 character qualities, five flaws in verse seven and six virtues in verse number eight. Is that, does that feel a little exhausting? <laughs> That's a lot. But, but in these verses, they, they parallel 1 Timothy chapter 3. You can look at it. But verse 7 begins to unpack for us these, these, these flaws. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. You see here in this passage, pride or self-will heads the list. And then quick-tempered or prone to be angry is just behind it. Just think about it for a second. Uh, I mean, I mean I, 
I acknowledge, I mean, one of the big issues I've struggled with in my life, first of all, is pride. I mean, I, we all deal with it in different ways. And we have to, I have to constantly be, Lord, alert me to it. Help me to repent of it. And secondly, anger, prone to anger. Are you constantly on the edge? I mean, every, honestly, everyone's going to get angry at some point, and we are to repent of unbiblical anger. But are you continuing in a kind of like this slow burn in your heart? It's really possible you need to grow in forgiveness. That person, that situation, whatever is causing your unrest in your heart, you need to repent, seeking to forgive and receive God's forgiveness. These five qualities here are, are seen are when, when we're operating in our own strength and not relying on the Holy Spirit. Verse eight details five spirit-given virtues. And again, this is not due to any person's willpower or religious abilities. It's only by God and his grace. It's what he gives to us. Verse eight, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. You see, when you were a child, I don't know if you, we were taught often to stay safe and avoid strangers. But here the word hospitable actually means a love for strangers. Strangers in that day were, were traveled from city and other countries and came to really hard places and there weren't hotels, RBOs. There wasn't the place, you couldn't rent something. And travelers would come in tired and exhausted and yes, providing housing was one thing. But also, I think about um, Luke chapter 10 and the parable of the Good Samaritan. Remember, uh, the Jews hated the Samaritans, their northern neighbors. They were close in proximity, but they were far away from one another in relationship. They were strangers. And, and remember the Jewish man who, who was beaten by the robbers and was laid by the Wayside, and even the Jewish priest went past him and didn't care for him. But it was the Samaritan that stopped and that cared for that man with compassion from God. And Jesus says, that is what I'm talking about. The hospitality, the compassion of Almighty God. Also, um, the character quality of a lover of good is, is a person motivated by God's grace, Titus 2.14 and 3.14. It's, it's really having being eager or zealous for good works. This is a person that's saying, God, control me, kill my sin and fill me, lead me by your Holy Spirit. Use my gifts for your glory and for the good of others. And then this all-important word, self-controlled, a, a favorite word of Paul in describing Christ-centeredness in 1 Timothy and Titus. He, he goes back to this over and over again. It's something that's so important that self-control is, is, is really ultimately God's control of yourself, of you. You need 
God. I need God. You see, these qualities of Christ-centeredness display a heart that's growing in spiritual health. It's not just like plant health. It's spiritual health. And it creates a spiritually healthy Christ-centered church as we grow in these things under God's authority and his word. So this leads to the third indicator of, of spiritual health. And it's under the truth of God's word, uh, elders train others in sound doctrine. Verse nine, it says, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. You know how important it is to hold firm to this trustworthy word, the Bible. I mean, next week we're gonna see how entire families in, in, on Crete were devastated by bad doctrine, which is really the teaching and understanding God's word and understanding how, how to understand it, believe it, interpret it, and apply it to our lives. It's, see, it's so vital because in, in, in that day, because remember, Crete was a culture of lying. And here, Paul is not saying just opt out of culture. No, he's saying you have to be engaged in some way, but you need to be strengthened by God's word in good biblical teaching, understanding God's word. And that's what we should all be growing in, church. You see, if biblical elders grounded in sound doctrine and God's word are not raised up, the health of the entire church will be compromised. Paul says elders must be able to instruct others and defend God's word and sound doctrine. We must continue to equip and train elders in this and who can faithfully pass on and teach God's word to others. The word sound is actually translated also safe or healthy. That's where we get the word healthy here in, this, in, our, in our teaching. The English word here is literally the, where we get hygiene from. The word is used 12 times in the New Testament and, and four times in Titus, more than any other book in the New Testament. You see, sound doctrine or biblical teaching is not just for elders. It's for every one of us who say today, we know Christ and want to follow him. And we need this sound doctrine to make grow our health, spiritual health in him, and to grow our church health. And we need to pray for our elders and ask God, please, will you raise up the structure of these men who are not perfect, far from perfect, but who love God's word and are able to teach it to others. <clears throat> this is what healthy Christ-centered churches do. They, they seek to pray for and raise up Christ-centered, healthy elders. So I wanna invite you, as a, by way of application, is for you to pray for our, our elders. Uh, here is a, here's a picture of our elders. There you see them. 
What a great looking lot, huh? At, you know, um, again, I think every one of these guys would say when, when they thought about being nominated and trained to be an elder, they thought, there's no way I'm worthy of this. Look, no one's worthy of this. Are, are you being called by God in the midst of your struggle with sin and brokenness? By God's grace to help you to grow in knowing and teaching God's word and leading God's church in this way. So I'd invite you, please pray for these guys. Pray for them now. Pray for them this, this week. If You can find these pictures at our website, thevinecc.com, if you want to go back and, and just, you know, in a regular way, pray for us. We so covet your prayers, honestly. Pray these attributes for us and, and for yourself as well. But also, um, in addition to praying for our current elders, in verse five, it says that uh, Titus was instructed by Paul to appoint elders who bring spiritual health to the church. And here the word appoint means to establish or to arrange. It does not mean in the sense of laying on of hands as ordination, which that was also done but it means more what Acts 14.23 and 1 Corinthians 8.19 clarify that elders should be elected by the congregation. And see, that's our role. That's one of our big opportunities. If you're a member of this church, you are called by God together to nominate and elect men who will be able to fill these offices of elder and deacon in our church. We're in uh, th that season when every member of our church is called to do this. And, and once the nomination period has ended, we're gonna actually, we take these elder or deacon candidates, we fully vet them according to the scripture and we train them and then we'll bring them back to you for a congregational election in a, in a congregational context meeting. Um, you see the slide of this elder process and today is the, uh, really the first Sunday that nominations can begin and they end on September 4th. And you can nominate uh, these men for the office of elder or deacon in three different ways. First of all, by visiting thevinecc.com and at the bottom of the, of the webpage, you'll, you'll find a link that will take you to the nomination form. That's a good way to do it. Secondly, scan the QR code that's available here in the welcome area uh, and it will take you right to the nomination form. You can do that today as you leave. Or if, you, uh, <laughs> if you're not as adept in those things and we're trying to get away from this, but you can come to the pastor's corner where I'll be and I can give you a paper form to fill out. Wow, they still have those? But please do this. If you're a member of our church, please begin praying today of who would be nominated to be trained and ultimately by God's grace elected to lead our church in this way. As, as we wrap up for, and we come to communion, again, we're not looking for perfect 
men to lead our church. There are none. And we're not necessarily looking for men whom the culture says, that's the kind of guy you want. No, we're looking for men who are humbly seeking to grow in spiritual health and desire to continue to submit to God's love and his word as best as they are able in every area of their lives. The men we need, need, we need God to raise them up by his love and his strength and to continue to change them as we need to be changed. So let's all, as we come to the Lord's Supper for just a moment or two, ask God in his grace and love to change us, to grow us. It's what we started to pray. We said, we prayed, you know, Lord, change me by your grace. Will you, be, will you pray that right now in a moment of silent confession of your sin? Because honestly, every one of us in this room have things that are hindering our spiritual health because of our sin. We just need to do what scripture says. Be quick to repent and trust God's grace to help us to grow in spiritual health. So let's take a moment of silent repentance as we come to his table. Let's pray. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.